0: Hello, Canada. Today's date is January 30th, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony, the small fringe minority holding unacceptable views in Saskatchewan,
1: and Lewis in BC, who apparently is a white supremacist and believes that Islam. Is a disease.
0: So it would seem. Yes, we uh, we are definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel here, Canada. Uh, yeah. Hope hopefully you're able to uh, to endure us for a show. So, uh, <laughs> let's just and get.
1: If you do, we commend you because we are so offensive to listen to.
0: Yep, that is absolutely right. This is going to be awful, Canada, and we commend you just for for tuning in to uh, a couple of real badasses like us. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're, we, we are the scourge of Canadian political opinion, so why don't we get on with our offensive views? and
0: Let's get on with our offensive views. On the yeah. show today, let freedom roll. Canadian common sense was right all along. Shocker of the century, cannabis impaired driving. Has increased and more. So where do we start, sir?
1: Well, let's get some of the smaller issues out of the way before we get to the, uh, you know, the big, the big issues of the day that everybody's waiting to hear our opinions on. So, um, the the cannabis uh, impaired driving in BC. Um, they have BC government has has let us all know that. Impaired driving under the influence of cannabis has doubled since becoming legalized.
0: Now, this should be a surprise to absolutely nobody, uh, because honestly, I think that it's something that was probably happening already, but once cannabis was legalized and uh, the testing for on the roadside basis has improved dramatically, I think it's just being uh, being noticed more now or being caught more, however you want to say it.
1: Well, as someone who lives in BC and lives in the Okanagan, where um, there's a, a, a pretty high amount of cannabis usage here, um, I would disagree with you. Uh, I think that the rates probably have doubled um, because there's there's a weird thing that happens around cannabis. Um, if you ask someone who smokes cannabis if they're a smoker they'll say no interesting but but if you say do you smoke weed they say yes if you but so there's and, and especially since cannabis was has been legalized um people there's this weird sense that cannabis is harmless uh and and for you know i mean it it, and it relatively is uh especially in term if you compare it to say alcohol where you could drink yourself to death in one night um you can you know if you drink heavily you can die of cirrhosis of the liver in you know in short order being you know being addicted to alcohol the the withdrawal from it can actually kill you it's only one of two drugs that can kill you during withdrawal um so you know alcohol is a pretty dangerous drug and it's legalized right and um and so in comparison marijuana is relatively harmless um it is not harmless altogether though and but people have this view that that pot is you know relatively enough you know it doesn't it doesn't affect you in negative ways and um and this and be have, be you know living here in the okanagan where there's a lot of cannabis users i i am speaking from experience here i have never smoked it myself i'm I'm. Uh, I've. I've actually never even smoked a cigarette in my entire life. Um, so, but dealing with people who smoke it on a regular basis, I can tell you that there is a different attitude towards it. Um, I, I was in a hotel on the weekend, and the hotel has a no smoking policy in the rooms, which every hotel in Canada has. But yet, as soon as you're in the hallway, you can smell pot Um, because those people believe they're not smoking interesting and so when you're in traffic in BC here I don't know what it's like in the other parts of the country but in BC if you can smell it in your car in traffic on a regular basis and that's people in their vehicles smoking it because there's no stigma with it. And so I, I, and I smell it more today in traffic than I did five years ago. So I, I have no doubts that the rates of impaired driving with, under the, or with the use of cannabis have doubled. I, I have no doubts whatsoever.
0: Okay, so what you what what I'm hearing is that perhaps now that it's legalized, people have just become much more emboldened, and of course, because they already think that, oh yeah, I don't get impaired at all, they just don't give a crap and smoke and drive. Is That kind of the idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, it's, there the stigma around marijuana has been removed, and, and and like I said, and in, in people who use sm- marijuana don't view themselves as a drug user
0: well that's a good point yeah you're right because uh, they would they would just think of it now like like you say like not like smoking a cigarette but just kind of like yeah having a having a drink or whatever
1: yeah exactly
0: huh, that, that that's actually a pretty astute observation uh yeah you know, i do I do notice that here because I have a drug dealer living right next door to me that often if i uh as soon as I step out of my house I can quite often smell weed and uh and often smell it on their deal though they they're very short visitors who come over for five minutes at a time so.
1: <laughs> They must not be very hospitable. That,
0: that's gotta be what it is, yeah. And they're uh and I swear there's sometimes in the summer I'll just just stepping out the door I, I pretty much instantly get the munchies. So uh maybe I'm partially yeah. impaired when I'm driving to work.
1: <laughs> see and, and see, and now that's that's uh I mean it's a side issue, but that that part of it really irritates me because the smell of pot is relatively, you know, pugnant. Um and it's It can turn your stomach, right? Like it depends. Like if you are someone who doesn't use it, like it's it's stomach turning when you smell it, and I mean, not not for everybody, obviously, but for me, it certainly is. And and if I had to smell that every single time I was in my backyard, I would not even be able to use my backyard.
0: Well, that's often the case with us. It's uh, it's hard to use the backyard when the when they have friends over and they're all visiting in the backyard, then yeah, it doesn't make it very much fun to try and go out and barbecue or, or whatever. So, uh, I'm sure that a lot of their friends are probably leaving, well, probably leaving impaired and driving impaired. And I, uh, I want to, I want to touch on that one for a second too, because I, uh, my daughter used to smoke a ton of weed. Thank God she is, she has quit and she's with a boyfriend now who can't stand the stuff. So she's sort of abandoned it. But I remember when she was, smoking a fair bit of it she would always tell me oh yeah i i I don't feel at all i can drive just fine i it it doesn't affect me at all and of course when they're 18 you can't tell them anything so you just kind of nod and smile and uh but yeah i mean there's been enough uh like tests out there to show that people don't have the same motor skills when they're when they're impaired so i'm i guess i'm glad that they're getting better at roadside tests
1: yeah, I mean, it, and the thing is, is, like, it, weed kind of has the opposite effect as of alcohol on your motor skills and on your reaction times, right? Um, alcohol kind of makes you have exaggerated responses, right? So, uh, you know, you swerve hard and, and all that when you're driving drunk like you, your, your your responses are very exaggerated and with pot they're very muted and very slow to react and so they're just as dangerous as the other
0: yeah well, i'd buy that for sure yeah. so be careful out there on the roads in bc folks you might just be driving behind somebody who's cannabis impaired and I suppose a stereotype of, yeah and the, and the stereotype of BC being what it is well <laughs> gives people more reason to watch so. <laughs> all right well let's talk about us being right because it's always nice to blow our own bugle and then we'll move on and talk about the convoy for a little bit so two years ago um on our show and in our personal conversations we had said Hey, look, no, we don't know much about this COVID thing, but what we're seeing from, from European data, from China, that it's really affecting the older older populations. So, and if you want to go back a couple of years, Canada, you will hear, have heard us saying, protect your senior citizens, protect people who are vulnerable, let the rest of us carry on with our lives, get to work, pay some taxes, support health care. That all sound like what we said? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and now we're hearing that Omicron, and we've said this too, Omicron was really no more dangerous than a cold, and now public health officials are actually admitting that. And BC was first, followed very quickly by Alberta, that said, we're just going to treat this Omicron like it's a flu. And if you are showing some symptoms and you're sick, just stay home for a couple of days. (laughs) I'm sure that we said stuff just like that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and we did. Um, the part that's very frustrating about, about all this is that Dr. Bonnie Henry, the, uh, the, the, the chief medical officer for BC, actually admitted in a press conference a couple of weeks ago, it might even have been last week, I can't remember the exact day, but she actually admitted that the hospitalization numbers are not representative of the situation in the hospital. She said They, that um, she admitted that only about 30 to 40% of the hospitalization numbers are because of people that are there because of COVID. The other 60 to 70% of them are are in the hospital with COVID and they didn't know that they had COVID until they were in the hospital and they were tested for it. They were there for different reasons. And she admitted this. And yet BC continues to announce the total hospitalization numbers every day. And the people of BC still swallow it up as if that is gospel and it's unbelievable how nobody has gone hey wait a minute they're totally misleading us I mean the very next day the numbers came out and people were like oh my god look at that look at how many people are in the hospital well like come on this is getting stupid like they've even admitted that they're misleading us and people continue to be misled
0: yeah it's sad that they keep buying it and At the very beginning of the pandemic, we got vilified for suggesting that this was like a flu and we could have been forgiven for it because like Dr. Isaac Bogosh from University of Toronto and Neil Rao and other infectious diseases experts kept on comparing it to a flu saying, well, you know, if it's like like the flu when you have such and such symptoms and when we would say that, people would call us a bunch of conspiracy theorists and anti—well, wouldn't be anti-vaxxers at the time, but deniers, etc. And now it's come full circle, and now public health officials are saying, "Yeah, just treat it like a flu, unless you're yeah, Justin and Trudeau." I mean,
1: and and this is the one thing where where like I can admit that you know you and I were weren't weren't entirely accurate and at the beginning of of it all, where we were saying. Well, we, you know, we should be, um, we shouldn't be locking down and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, I mean, I can understand at the beginning that we did lock down. I can, I totally understand locking down at the beginning, because nobody knew what the hell we were dealing with. We we could only we could only, uh, you know, guess. And I think, you know, I think it would be fair to say that we were a little too.
0: A little cavalier, I think, a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little too cavalier about it. Um, and and that would be fair to say. But in the end here, I mean, it's ever since then, we've been right, step by step. We have been right. And this time we were right again. I mean, we said at the beginning of this Omicron outbreak that, you know, the numbers out of South Africa and other countries are showing that this was just it was a cold, it was an upper respiratory infection. And, and if you look at the numbers, because they do break down Ocrine versus Delta because Delta is still out there and it's still pretty prevalent. In fact, all the hospital cases, almost all of them are of Delta. Um, like the ones that, not not the cases where they're there for a different reason, and they test positive for COVID, but the re, but the the cases where they are there in the hospital because of COVID, that they are almost all Delta, and so when 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 someone says that the that Omicron is the is the um, dominant strain that has taken over and Delta is gone, they're lying because it's not true. You, all you have to do is talk to a hospital doctor to find that out because they'll tell you. Like, I mean, the, the, you can find it in the provincial um, COVID updates too. That they actually say they break it down that Delta is still, uh, still active, and that's what's driving most of the hospitalizations is Delta.
0: Yeah. Well, and if if listeners want to go back, uh, just a few weeks or maybe a month is when you had said right on this show that you know the data out of south africa data there we are following the science again what the hell the data from south africa had said and you had actually said i'm pretty much sure i'm almost quoting you directly that the data was showing that this is the beginning of the end and oh my god you were right
1: yeah well and it and it is it really is the beginning of the end of of the pandemic i mean saskatchewan announced that they're dropping their their uh their uh, mandates and and vaccine passport uh the uk has dropped theirs um denmark has dropped theirs sweden has pretty much returned back to regular life i mean every like we're seeing jurisdictions around the world just dropping their their mandates and their and their vax passports and stuff i mean it's it's happening it's happening and yet here in Canada, we, aside from Saskatchewan, we're, we're like, nope, we're going to keep doing this. Um, and BC, B.C. has said we're going to treat this like a flu now, except they're not, because they're still keeping our, our restrictions. They extended our VAX passport to June 1st. Um, so they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and, uh, and it pisses me off.
0: Well, in Quebec, has tripled down. Quebec now has said that you cannot go into a store. I think it's under fifteen hundred square feet without uh, showing proof of double vaccination, or maybe it's the other way around. But over, they're uh, over fifteen hundred. Okay, so over fifteen hundred. So you can't go to a Costco or a Walmart, which is where the majority of Canadians do their shopping for groceries, apparently, without having a your vax passport. And now Quebec is talking about perhaps making three shots to be considered fully vaccinated. So you're going to have a huge swath of the Quebec population that can't go shopping for crying out loud.
1: Yeah. And I don't understand this, uh, this push for the, for the booster because any infectious disease uh, doctor that is worth their salt, um, who doesn't have a vested interest in, in people getting boosters is telling people like it's, it's, the booster isn't even doing anything. Like it's like Omicron is, is, uh, is vaccine resistant.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, I mean, go back again to, uh, Joe Rogan's interview with Dr. Robert Malone, the, you know, on the team who invented this, MRNA technology. And he says, don't get a booster. Don't get a third shot. I'm going with him. Yeah, me
1: too. And, And the thing is, is that, um, there's, there's plenty of evidence to show that the booster isn't working against Omicron, and it's that back in what November or October, uh, it was like ninety percent of hospitalizations were unvaccinated, and today, well, let me see, let me rephrase that. Last week it was eighty-four percent were vaccinated and now it's in bc anyway it's this week is 50 50 and the reason it's 50 50 and it's it is a concerted effort to get people vaccinated because in bc there's a new policy and they flat out say it if you are fully vaccinated and you are showing symptoms of covid they do not want to test you but if you're unvaccinated, they are, they are, uh, insisting
0: on tests. Wow. Uh, when you told me that I was, I was floored. I mean, cause that's, I mean, misleading is, is not even a strong enough term for that. I mean, that is horrible. That's uh, I mean, that's, that's propaganda is what it is. That's just, that's disgusting.
1: Yeah, um my son was uh was showing symptoms of COVID last week and I could not get him a test because he's vaccinated. I could not get him a test. So, I had to get a uh a rapid test to do it myself. And uh and luckily he was negative, but um but they've
0: refused to test them. See, that's just ridiculous. And uh, I'm gonna spin off kind of a different direction here, but in situations like that, and just uh, the whole pandemic in general, leaves little surprise to me why it is that one in three Canadians are now reporting to have struggles with mental health. I mean, if situations like you're talking about with your son, that's, that's the health system pushing us in that direction. I mean how how are you expected for a person not to have anxiety when you tell them oh yeah you might be sick but we're not gonna test you what yeah what do you guys do for a living aren't you supposed to take care of our health yeah well no kidding I mean I mean it's something
1: that we need to know you know if he is positive then we have to stop all contact with other people
0: yeah exactly
1: right? Like my wife has a job where she sees people. I own a business and, and even though I'm not busy right now, I am still seeing clients, um, at a much lower rate than I normally do because it's winter. Um, but I'm still seeing clients. Uh, I'm still, you know, going out, I'm going skiing. I'm, you know, going to the grocery store. Well, if he's positive, shouldn't I be staying home? Right. But because he's, vaccinated they don't want them getting tested but if you're unvaccinated they insist on it
0: yeah that's just that is just so wrong I mean and it's purely for political reasons and that's what really ticks me off
1: yep I mean that's why this the latest COVID update in BC shows a 50-50 split whereas last week it was 84% that were fully vaccinated
0: yeah that's uh Nah, that's that's just sad, so...
1: It is. It's disgusting. Yeah. And, and and nobody... And the thing is, is that nobody sees it.
0: Well, you're right. That's that's probably the worst part about it. Nobody sees it, so therefore, they don't believe it's happening unless they see it with their own eyes, right? So.
1: Well, they are seeing it with their own eyes, but because the government says it's not happening, they say, oh, it's not happening.
0: Well, yeah. That's a good point, yeah.
1: so It's sheep, right? Yep. I mean... Yeah, it's, people are sheep, and this proves it. I mean, it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it sure is. All right. Well, let's move on to the well. What's going to be the most fun and heated topic we discussed today? Allegedly, we've got some kind of convoy in Ottawa. And we do. Yes, we do, and. It really is a beautiful sight. We've got well, if you look, if you listen to the left-wing media or Justin Trudeau and and his ilk, 10 to 12 trucks descended upon Ottawa. If you look at True North or people on TikTok who are sharing their videos on various social media platforms and whatnot, you will see hundreds of thousands of people, maybe at least a 100,000 people. I look at the crowds from the drone shots, and there's easily more people on the streets in Ottawa than I've ever seen at a Grey Cup game, and we've been to a Grey Cup game of 60,000 people. So I'm gonna say there's easily a 100,000 people in Ottawa yesterday.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the number is. Um... I know the Ottawa police said that they estimated there was 10,000 people on Parliament Hill.
0: Um, well, and we look, Parliament, Parliament Hill, t- sure. But I mean, look at the streets around yeah.
1: it. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of people on the streets around it. Um, because I think they actually stopped letting people onto the grounds at some point, um, because they did have it fenced off. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I do believe that they they stopped letting people onto the grounds. So, I mean, there was people hiding, like they were, they were uh, not hiding. There was people, they were taking refuge from the cold in the mall nearby. They, um, you know, in coffee shops and everything, trying to escape the cold because it was dirty below. Um, So, I mean, even if it was... Even if it was just 10,000 people, which it wasn't, it was a lot more than that, um, that's still a lot of people. And the thing is, is that let's, let's, I'm going to put it this way. The convoy organizers oversold it. They said there was going to be 50,000 trucks. Okay. There was nowhere near 50,000 trucks. In fact, there probably wasn't even 1,000 trucks. There was maybe a few hundred trucks. Um, and that makes it easier for the naysayers to dismiss things when your, um, your organizers are claiming much, much bigger numbers than what actually showed up, right? Even though that protest was massive, uh, people go, oh, see? Nothing, nothing, there's nothing there to see because the, you know, it's nowhere near what they said it was going to be.
0: Well, true. And I mean, and, and of course, we all know what uh, Justin Trudeau had to say about those. So we'll just play that clip right now for you. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable. Uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. So, uh, well, I guess we know how Justin Trudeau felt about those who were coming to Ottawa.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I find myself in that group.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a, you know, small fringe minority holding unacceptable views. That's just what I am, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable that the prime minister, I mean, not unbelievable because we've had this, this twit for what, six years now. Um, it's just its just insane that, that the leader of our country will just dismiss uh, a, a whole segment of our population as extremists, basically, is what he's saying.
0: Yeah, well, and if you listen to his lapdogs in the Ottawa media uh, all week on uh, CTV's Power Play, I was actually embarrassed to be listening to, the, to that podcast, I mean, uh, Evan Solomon started the week by calling it a so called freedom convoy. And then, of course, those who were on his panel, you know, echoed those terms. And then uh, the way he would sort of use the word trucker like it was some kind of derogatory term. And, you know, the emphasizing of the way it was. And then whoever hosted the show on Friday, I can't remember the gentleman's name now, but he uh, had carried on the message by talking about the fringe uh, convoy and the, how the fringe People's Party of Canada leader, Maxime Bernier, was there speaking at different rallies across Ontario during the week and whatnot. And and uh, you know, we just got to play this clip from CBC because this one really takes the cake. Given Canada's support of Ukraine in this current crisis with Russia, it, I don't know if it's far-fetched to ask, but but there is concern that Russian actors could be continuing to fuel things uh, as this, as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from, from the outset. Russia, of course, Russia's involved. Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, and if you listen to, you know, my, my mother-in-law, all the truckers were Trumpers. (laughs) well so of course so it had to be russia organizing this because you know trump was a russian asset right absolutely yeah so i mean of course all the truckers are trumpers and russia is involved in organizing it right (laughs) Uh,
0: that one's rich but uh here's another good one this one comes from robert benzie from the toronto star and this was was on on power play and uh he had probably the best description of all four of them.
1: But I do not understand why a mainstream political party like the Conservatives would want to tie their hitch their wagon to a, a, a movement that yeah. looks on some on very fringe kind of white crazies. If you're not careful, I mean this
0: fringe white crazies. Well, I've never heard that one before. Never.
1: Yeah. No, and and I'm sure that the Sikh truck drivers that were at Parliament Hill yesterday would uh, would be surprised to find out that they're white.
0: Well, yeah, and uh, actually on that, uh, uh, Rupa Supermania, who writes for the National Post, actually said outright she was really, you know, kind of I think the way she put it, like she was happily surprised at the number of non-white people at the uh, at the event and she said it would to her it was an atmosphere like a winter carnival and there was a picture on Aaron o'toole's facebook page where he was talking to some of the drivers and there was one where he was talking to two drivers and one was an indian fellow and then another one was, was a was a white fellow and i thought oh look at those fringe white crazies there oh wait
1: yeah well i mean <laughs> and and the thing is is like I actually read an article in the Toronto Star. I can't recall the name of the uh, of the uh, reporter at this time, but there was an article in the Toronto Star that claimed that the convoy was an attack on our democracy.
0: Oh, that was Susan Delacourt.
1: Yes, Susan Delacourt. That's it. Yeah. And And that this was Canada's January sixth. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, and the Ottawa police even backed that up yesterday by saying there was not one single incident of violence, or, oh, wait a minute, not one single incident of violence yesterday. Oh, well, that sounds a lot like our January 6th, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a, You know, that's typical Canadian January sixth. It's uh, we just we just uh, you know try to overthrow our government with no violence at all, and um, oh, and we don't try to throw overthrow our government either. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's January sixth all over again.
0: Yeah, because we actually peacefully and patriotically protested our government, as is our right in the Charter we- of Rights and Freedoms
1: yeah and there's nobody in this country more disappointed than susan Delacourt that there wasn't a riot and, oh, yeah. and there's and there's nobody in this country more disappointed than the left-wing media in this country and justin trudeau that there wasn't a riot or violence of any kind the worst thing they could point to was a couple of protesters were standing on the tomb of the un, unnamed soldier, which yeah, that's bad.
0: Not cool but, at all. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's not cool. It's that's that's bad. That's disrespectful. But yep. that's all it is.
0: It is, and there were there were some people who were called out because mm-hmm. someone had draped a Canadian flag on the Terry Fox statue and put a yep. mandate yeah, freedom it the, sign. It was an
1: upside upside down flag. Yeah. And 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 put a sign around his neck or whatever, right? And and they're going, oh my god, this is so disrespectful. The, um, really, the, like any more disrespectful than decapitating uh, John A. McDonald's statue and then tearing it
0: down? That's different, for some reason.
1: Because yeah. it was left left wingers doing it. That's why. So in Canada, we have you have you noticed that. Only left-wing protests get violent in this country.
0: Oh yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, it's uh, and you know what? It's, it's funny thing is, and I'm going to step back to these fringe whiteies again because there was some of the people from the Six Nations uh, Treaty area, the Six Nations First Nations, and other First Nations groups around the country. Actually came along, and there was one group that was leading the O Canada with their with with drumming, and I just thought, okay, well, uh, it didn't turn violent when First Nations people were protesting with this trucker protest, but yet it certainly turned violent when they were protesting the railway uh, or the Wet'suwet'en and the railway blockades and whatnot. So. Who was helping them agitate? Oh, right. All those left-wing groups like Eco Alliance and Greenpeace. Left-wing groups. Lewis, you're right again.
1: Have you also noticed that there's been no pipeline protests in the past two years? And that's because all the protesters were American and they couldn't get across the border.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Um, Now what has ha, the, the, the most pleasant surprise out of all of this is yes the organizers of the trucking con of the truck convoy oversold it Justin Trudeau you know and the rep- and the other uh, media types across the country all did their best to undersell it um, it landed somewhere in the middle but what was pleasantly surprising, was all the protests across the country that occurred yesterday as well
0: yeah and i see i think that was where and and you made this point when we were talking earlier in the week and how when the truck convoy was going across the country you'd find lots of trucks joining the convoy to go through that community and then they would turn around and come back to work and i was so happy to see that i believe you were right about that by the way and it was nice to see that Either those or different drivers showed up at provincial capitals all across the country. I mean, Victoria had a huge turnout. Regina, they clogged up an entire highway. Uh, and it was just all across the country, except Nova Scotia. No, no, Nova Scotia, we are banning people from standing on the sides of the roads or bridges to cheer those convoys on. That will be against the law and subject to a 1000 up to $10,000 fine
1: yeah yeah and but it wasn't just provincial capitals um i know here where i live penticton summerland Kelowna, and vernon all had rallies as well and they were big excellent and i mean it was just a sea of of horns honking for a few hours like it's It was impressive how many people showed up and it it was like, holy crap, like this is happening all across the country. And I mean, people, people are sick and tired of it. They're done. This is not some small fringe group. This is, I would say the majority of the people driving past the protesters were all honking their horns.
0: Yeah, well, and it's been said all week that how this has been uniting Canadians, and it has. This is uniting Canadians like I've never seen before. And here's a fun fact, Canada. As of last night, the GoFundMe page to support the convoy has raised $8.5 million, which is more than the entire fundraising effort by the Liberal Party of Canada for the 2021 election. Any re- re- Anyone wonder how in two weeks they managed to raise money that a party could not raise in two years? And you wonder why they're concerned?
1: Oh yeah, you wonder why Justin Trudeau had to hide and become the hide-and-seek champion of 2022.
0: Yeah, and him and the family moved to a quote-unquote secret location due to security reasons. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, even though there, was, there were no protesters, anywhere near his house.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the Ottawa police reported a very peaceful night. So
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, the worst thing that happened, and this is, this is, this actually made me laugh was that all these protesters were, were, uh, taking refuge from the cold in the mall and nobody was wearing masks. And the media covering it were like, and nobody was wearing masks. They were contravening the health orders from the Ottawa health region. Like they were shocked. (laughs) And I'm like, "Um, you do realize that this is what the protest is over, right?
0: (laughs) I did read that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was good.
1: (laughs) I mean, how
0: stupid
1: are people? Well, I'll tell you how stupid people are. Let's get to our favorite stupid person in the country.
0: Absolutely, yes, because we do need to talk about a few politicians. Jagmeet saying I... <laughs> I mean, I've said so many times on this show that he's a moron. And I feel like when I say that, he says, hold my beer. I... I sent you yeah. a, a, a screenshot of a tweet of his yesterday, and you confirmed that it was actually on his account. And shortly after that, other uh, prominent figures in Canada, Jordan Peterson, et cetera, also retweeted it. And Maxine Bernier retweeted it when Jagmeet Singh said that this convoy was being led by a group of people who.
1: Here, I'll read it. I'll Please. read it. Okay, I've
0: got it. awesome. Thank you.
1: Okay, Jagmeet Singh's Twitter account posted. Today, we commemorate five years since a terrorist attack and murdered Muslims in a Quebec City mosque. We said never again. And today, Conservative MPs have endorsed a convoy led by those that claim the superiority of the white bloodline and equate Islam to a disease. Now, this this tweet was so outrageous, I thought it was fake, right? I remember when you sent it to me, I said, is this real?
0: Yeah, and and you went to his Twitter account.
1: Yeah, I went straight to his Twitter account, and I confirmed that it was true. It was real. This came from his Twitter. And the – I mean, I'm sorry, but this is – he should – he should be a man and resign over this this is one of the most disgusting things that any politician in this country has ever said
0: it is i mean uh he honestly said "oh you think i'm a moron tony hold my beer" and oh my gosh he he outdid himself big time and i i don't actually don't understand why it is that provincial ndp leaders Aren't distancing themselves from him because, as we all know, the NDP is the one party in Canada where membership in a provincial organization automatically gives you membership in the national organization because they are all connected. Yeah. How is anybody in this country not disavowing that ab- racist, idiotic statement? Like that's that's just beyond the pale. That is. I I was actually speechless in Canada. You know I'm never without words. I was speechless.
1: This is, and when you said this is racist, you're right. This is, this is, I I even, when I posted it on my, on my personal page, I, uh, I captioned it with who's the racist now, because this is, this is a hundred percent racist, I mean, he he's always been a race baiter, but this is this has really put him over the top.
0: Yeah, I mean that that is just disgusting. And you're right; he should resign. I mean, I uh, I'm not always the big on you know trying to call on people to resign because it's it's a gimmick in in Parliament quite often. But how could anybody possibly support this man after such a vile and disgusting? display like that tweet that I mean it's obviously how he feels and he's not hiding it anymore
1: no and it wasn't and the in the tweet was not even deleted or anything like that like he's standing by it yeah like it, it's disgusting it is absolutely disgusting I know I've said things are disgusting on the show before but this is the most disgusting thing I think I've seen in Canadian politics in a very long time
0: it is. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't want to see anybody top this cause that, that was, uh, you're right. Yeah. He's race baiting. He is absolutely race baiting. And I don't understand how he thinks that that w- is going to appeal to anybody, anybody.
1: Yeah. How is this going to endear him to anyone? Like, right. I mean, the only, the only people this is going to endear him to are other race baiters. And, and unfortunately the NDP has a lot of them so so they are going to um he he is going to you know endear himself to some of their base but um but i think i think you're gonna see a lot of ndp membership calling for his uh resignation i hope anyway if they don't it says a lot about the ndp party and their supporters
0: yeah it sure does and uh Well, we'll move on from that to uh, Conservative parties. And now, I said in my rant a couple of days ago, Maxime Bernier has been there all along. And this freedom, the end of mandates, it's his message. So he should be out there. He doesn't have that much of a voice because he's got no representation in Parliament, you know, with no seat of his own, no seats for his party. But at least he was always there. And I'm actually really disappointed with the Conservative Party of Canada, whose MPs, Decided midweek, well, yeah, okay, maybe we can get behind this now. And Aaron O'Toole completely sat on the fence until yesterday. Then he decided, or maybe it was Friday, finally just said, oh, well, yep, yeah, I'll go meet with some of them drivers. And it's exactly what you said, Louis. They're sticking their fingers in the political wind and then say, nope, well, yep, yeah, it sounds like this could be a winner for me. And even Pierre Polyev, whom I admire so much. He waited till midweek before he finally said, yep, I'm going to go out there and support them and bring them coffee and donuts and stuff. And least, I believe he was probably the first conservative MP to step up, and more have sense. Uh, Rachel Thomas, uh, Raquel Dancho, uh, Kevin Waugh here in Saskatoon, Dan Albus in the Okanagan, and uh, Esther O'Toole himself finally came out to meet some people yesterday. But as far as I'm concerned, I- you're too late to the party, guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think to be quite the crazy thing is, I think the first one was actually Andrew Shearer.
0: Oh, I had forgotten all about Andrew Shearer. You're right.
1: Yeah, I think Andrew Shearer was actually the first one to come out and support. Uh, Candace Bergen as well. Um, uh, Michael Cooper. Uh, they 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 were i think well i mean michael cooper i didn't hear much out of him until almost i think yesterday but but he is one of the one of the mps that did come out and support them but um but andrew Shear, candace bergen and pierre Polyev were the first three uh to come out and support i believe andrew Shear was actually the first one
0: (laughs) i I think you're right yeah
1: yeah and so and Aaron O'Toole did his typical thing of licking his finger and sticking it in the air to see which way the wind was blowing before he decided what he was going to do I mean he waited until the very last minute and then he was like oh my god this has got a lot of support across the country I better get involved in this
0: yeah exactly and that just uh, it ticks me off because it just be, to me smacks of opportunism and that's the game I hate the most about politicians and it's just so it just irritates me
1: yeah, and it's like I, I mean I had we had a gathering at our house last night um, to celebrate my my grandmother's 92nd birthday, and awesome we we had a no COVID rule for our parties, which meant no no disease, but also no talk about it either, and um, and you know what we had a great time and the topic of covid and the protests and all of that didn't even come up until three and a half hours in excellent and and at three and a half hours in we started talking about it a little bit and um we we, because we had that rule that we weren't even going to talk about it we we uh, we talked about it a little bit and then we and then we abandoned it. But during that little little you know five minutes where we did talk about it, everybody there was in agreement that Aaron O'Toole is a detriment to the Conservative Party.
0: I believe that he is, and if you, I mean, and, and consider the source. But when I was listening to Power Play in their panel talking about the report on the 2021 election. Of course, many of them were saying, too, that, yeah, Aaron O'Toole is a liability. And the one lady was saying, I don't know how Aaron O'Toole survives 2022. And as much as I disagree with most things these left-wing polit- or media types have to say, I I want to believe that, I want to hope that that lady was right, that Aaron O'Toole does not make it through 2022. But I don't see uh, a leadership review anytime soon. Well, I
1: mean, they're, they're a tempting one. They are. Um- but I, but I think that they're, the the party is just going to dismiss it. I don't think they're going to uh, to have an early um, leadership rate or leadership review. But I mean that. I mean let, let's talk about that a little bit because the the uh, the internal report that was done by the Conservative Party about why you know what happened in that election. Um, I think that. I think the report even plays it safe.
0: Well, um, they, they, they said that Aaron O'Toole had an authenticity problem, which was a nice way of saying he flip-flopped too much. So you're right, yeah, they, they did try to spin it as positively for Aaron O'Toole as possible, but he doesn't deserve that kind of spin, honestly. He screwed no, up and, and, big time.
1: Yeah, exactly, And, and but the thing is, is that they, they, they spent more time in that report talking about the lack of diversity in the party. It, as being a major problem in the election.
0: Yeah, that was t- tra- trumped out a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I, I read the report, and they
1: talked more about the lack of diversity than they did about Aaron O'Toole flip-flopping.
0: So they've learned nothing, is really what you're saying. No,
1: I, I don't think they've learned a damn thing. They, the other thing that they said was that Aaron O'Toole was, managed, was overmanaged.
0: managed I, I read I, that, too, and I thought, what the hell does that even mean?
1: Yeah, it's like, well, that's where the authenticity problem came from, because he wasn't being himself. He was being who he was being told to be, apparently. Oh, my God. Uh, But here's the thing. Before Aaron O'Toole was ever elected the leader, we already knew that he was a flip-flopper and didn't commit to things. And that's why a lot of people, he was their fourth or fifth or sixth choice.
0: Yeah, no that's right. And even when I'd met him here in Saskatoon at the at a party event and he wouldn't give me any kind of a a straight answer on on his carbon tax proposal, which was fairly new at that point in time, I was at that time I was already ready to say, "Okay, I mean, you're a loser."
1: Yeah, I mean, we we knew he had an he had an issue with with uh, you know, sticking to policies before he was ever elected leader. And they're saying that he he had a, he was overmanaged, and that's why he had an authenticity problem. I'd say, no, he had an authenticity problem because he's not authentic. Period.
0: Yeah. No, exactly right. Yeah, so uh, that's really disappointing that they, they sugarcoat a report that's really supposed to be educational, and instead it's uh, milk toast.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, what is. So, is this just pointing to the fact that the next election, the conservatives are not. They they haven't. They just haven't learned anything. We're just going to lose again.
0: Well, that certainly is what it seems like. And, uh, yeah. And I'm wondering now if that next election isn't going to see, uh, liberal leader Christa Freeland.
1: Yeah. I mean,. We know that he's been grooming her to be the next leader ever since um, he made her the minister of everything.
0: Right. right, yeah.
1: Um. I don't... Do you think that she'll be the the leader come the next election, or do you think he will be? Because, I mean, he said he's not going anywhere.
0: He did say that, but I'm actually starting to, to move more toward... I think she's going to be the leader by the time the next election comes along. He's withdrawing more publicly, so he's sort of shifting the spotlight onto her a bit more. He drags her out to any kind of major announcement that he can. And with the the talk about Ukraine, he's made certain that she's at the table, even though she's... Well, I guess she's Deputy deputy Prime Minister, so she should be, I guess. But he's making certain he's pushing her to the, to the spotlight that, okay, she speaks Ukrainian, she has Ukrainian roots, and so, I mean, he's doing everything he can to promote her. So I... I got a feeling.
1: Yeah, I see that. Um, I don't know. I have. Um, I don't really know because here's the thing. Like, I may I may be right a lot, but I'm wrong about Justin Trudeau a lot.
0: True. Yeah. He's uh. Well, he's he's dumb, and I think that's what makes him unpredictable. Is that he's he he's dumb and he's not focused.
1: Yeah, what, what does that say about the people who vote for him? I mean, <laughs> it's it's like, it, 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 I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, he is—he's dumb. He's not intelligent. He, in fact, he's—he's—he's he's, he's probably got a below-average IQ. Um, he's, uh, and and he's—he's he's a narcissist to the nth degree. Holy. And I mean, it it just, I don't understand. Like, I've been wrong about every election result that he's been involved in. And and it just blows my mind. Like, I don't understand how I continue to be wrong about this guy.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I guess in a way you can be right in that it doesn't even matter who the liberals have leading them, that the conservatives have already destined themselves to lose the next election because they've taught themselves nothing by going through what it was supposed to be a scathing review of the last election.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and here's the thing, like, if, if she is the leader come the next election for the Liberal Party, that bodes a lot better for the Conservatives, because latest polling shows she is really unpopular.
0: I saw that, and I think she should be because she might be smart, but she's annoying as hell. I I can't stand her, and
1: I don't even think she's smart, man. Have you seen her performance in the House of Commons? She reads all her answers, and yeah. it's so it sounds like someone reading a script for a, a a play, like a high school play, like it's the you know how you. When you listen to someone, you know they're reading. Yeah, and that's her. All her answers in the House of Commons are like that, and they're smug. Oh my god! Oh, she's, she's smug. so smug. Yes,
0: she is. That that's she, that's really like, annoying.
1: Yeah, she she. I remember her answering a question from Pierre Paulyev one time, and she didn't even answer address the question right because that's the liberal liberal way of doing things in the House of Commons right. that is that they give an answer that has nothing to do with the question. Yeah, and then they and and she'd answer. She, she gave the answer, and then she had this big like, excuse my language, but this shit-eating grin on her face, like she just pulled got one over on him, and sat down and looked around at the rest of her caucus with this, with this <laughs> smug look on her face, like look what I just did, you losers, and. Um, and and it was just this look of confusion on everybody else's face in the House of Commons. <laughs> everybody was like, well, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> and and, uh, and but she just she thinks she's so much smarter. Like she she I think she suffers from the same condition that Justin Trudeau suffers from, where he where they they think they're the smartest person in the room.
0: Yeah, you could be on to something there. I think that's actually a pretty uh, accurate way to put it.
1: And thinking that they're the smartest person in the room shows just how dumb they are.
0: Yeah. Well absolutely, yeah. So
1: <laughs> And I and I really do think that she has that that like if she is the leader come the next election, the Conservatives have a much better shot because people don't like her. I mean the la- the latest pull in that we've seen from uh, I believe it was uh, Angus Reid showed that she was she's really unpopular. People really don't like her. Like they really they, they actually much prefer Justin Trudeau over her.
0: Oh my God! So well, I guess yeah. you're right. That is good for the Conservatives.
1: Yeah, but as long as we've got Aaron O. Trudeau in as leader, uh, the Conservatives are in trouble.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and you know what probably on our next show we might talk about that a bit more too because I'm I want to try and spin that that there is there maybe some of the rumblings are beginning because some MPs have gone out on their own early to support this convoy but uh, we're creeping up on an hour here so we'll probably save that topic for our, our next show yeah sounds good yeah all right so Canada we're gonna wrap it up there uh, hopefully you found this informative and Keep watching that convoy because it's not over yet, and the media types are trying so hard to tell you that, oh, after Sunday, that's it. They can just all go home. Well, we'll see on our next show how well that turned out for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and Warren Kinsella can stop trying to downplay this as well because, I mean, that guy... I mean, you know who Warren Kinsella is, right? Oh, yes. I mean, his article that came out in the paper yesterday was saying how all the protesters like protesters were telling all the reporters to go back to the country they came from and stuff yeah you know what kinsella you're lying totally you lying lying you are lying you stupid liar yep and that's and i and i've said my part <laughs> there, there we go
0: <laughs> and that's what we're all about, is making sure we say our parts. So uh, yeah. thank you for joining us, Canada. We will do this again next week. Until then, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis
1: out here in B.C. And-